the people who we dislike, technically they're not our enemies. They're actually our neighbors. Whether or not you can stand that person, they're still your neighbor. The real enemy is the devil. The question is not, who are your enemies? The question is, who is your real enemy? Stay with us. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Grace and Truth. I'm a grateful gospel-centered disciple of Jesus Christ who struggles yet perseveres, and my name is Dave. I hope and pray that you're doing well. Today's podcast, entitled Friends and Foes, was broadcasted live on Facebook on November 2nd, 2020. The text is Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Let's take a listen. Yesterday was rather interesting. Yesterday at my church, one of my pastors preached a sermon on loving our enemies, and he cleverly titled the sermon, Do We Have an Enemy? And the reality is, um, as I heard that message, I was convicted. Because I have a lot of people in my own life um, who I don't necessarily get along with. And yet, even with that problem, I have to realize that I don't have the option of disliking or detesting them. Since going through a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, I've had to learn the importance of praying for people. I cannot tell you how difficult it was to do that. But yet, God in his sovereignty was able to really, really teach me the importance of that. There have been some restored friendships as a result of that. Now, later on in the program, I'm going to refer you to that sermon because I really want to encourage you guys to watch it. It's especially perfect timing when it comes to tomorrow's elections. Because a lot of us have this tendency to want to choose sides, like say one person chooses to be a Republican or another side chooses to be a Democrat. The thing is, your identity shouldn't be in a political party. It should be in Christ alone. A couple days ago, we had Reformation Day, the same day that Halloween lands on. There's a reason why we have Solus Christus, which means in Christ alone. He alone is whom we trust in when it comes to all circumstances, including what's going on tomorrow and the people who we interact with. To say, oh, yes, I believe in Christ, but I also think that uh, the Democratic Party has more, is who I identify myself with, or the Republican Party is who I identify myself with, or... Um, I am so for social justice. That's like pushing sola, solus Christus to the side and making it become Christus et Republic, Christus et Democracy, Christus et Libertarian, Christus et 
Christus con verde, which of course verde means green. Uh, you probably know what I was just referring to, the Green Party. The list goes on and on. No, 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 no. In Christ alone, our hope is found. He is our light, our strength, our song. He is our cornerstone, our solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. Now, I have people in my life who I pray for. Some of them who don't go to church and others who do go to church, but we are not on the same page theologically. Before I went through Celebrate Recovery, I would have held on to a grudge against them and would have done everything in my power to try to get back at them. But since going through a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, I had to realize that that could not be the case. I needed to surrender myself to God and recognize that I needed to pray for them. And you know how hard it is to pray for people? It is so difficult to do that. I remember encouraging someone who um, was in a particular circumstance, that I, the same one that I was in um, 10 years ago myself, because I had been in issues, and um, I had encouraged him, you know, all you can do is pray for the person, and all you can do is just trust that God will work through them. Now, unfortunately, um, even though there was some discipleship involved, he's not a believer, and he said, I can't accept that. I deserve a second chance. But the fact of the matter is, we don't deserve second chances. Those are given to us as a gift, a gift that God only gives us. And that's so important. It took me a long time to really recognize that. And I'm grateful for that. Now, I want to ask you this question. Who is your enemy? Who are your enemies? Do you have any enemies? I'm sure you don't like them. I'm sure they don't like you. One of the things that I've done with my friends and with my enemies is I, I have on my board over there, I list them by name and I pray for them. And the reason why I pray for them is because I don't have the option of disliking them I don't have the option of hating them. I have actually found more healing when I pray for them because I care about them. And my motives have to be in line with what God's will is. Not taking control of the situation, but rather trusting that God has everything in control. Now, as we get to our text tonight, um, Here's the text I want to refer you to. Our text is Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Turn your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I think it's safe to say a lot of us would really wrestle with that passage because our tendency is to hold on to that bitterness. And I'll tell you, it doesn't work. It is not a good feeling. I can tell you as somebody with Asperger's that holding on to that kind of bitterness is not helpful. I remember um, when I was so bitter. This is before Celebrate Recovery. I, I had a soda addiction. As I don't know if many of you know this, but I have been soda-free for five years now. Um, I remember when I was... Um, this was like a year after I graduated college and um, before I started working for Whole Foods as well as uh, River in San Leandro before um, I got my new job at the regional center as well as um, doing what I'm doing now. Um, I would always buy a four-pack of cream soda, IBCs to be exact, and I would chug those when I was depressed. Now, some of you may be wondering, cream soda? How is that a big deal? I mean, you could have chosen alcohol. I'm actually allergic to alcohol. So that was my go-to. Yet, at the same time, though, it never worked. Just getting depressed, isolating myself from other people, it never worked. It doesn't work. Why do you think I'm involved in community? Why do you think I got the help that I needed through Celebrate Recovery? Why do you think I surrendered myself to God? Because I had to realize I could not do this on my own. I needed to surrender myself to Him. People often say, I, well, I, I invited Jesus into my life. Really, I learned that when I invited Jesus into my life, what I was really doing was putting Him in a box. But when I surrendered myself to Him, he didn't stay in that box. He, he took full control through the power of his Holy Spirit. That made all the difference in the world. The one thing that I, will, that I will never forget was when I finally had to pray for someone who I was wounded by and whom I had wounded as well. And by the grace of God, the relationship between me and her family was restored because rather than listening to the enemy, rather than listening to Satan try to discourage me and thinking they're the enemy, they're against you, the reality was I didn't know that. And, you know, there's this thing called cognitive distortions. That's this thing where you worry about, oh my gosh, uh, this, this could happen when the reality is the, the likelihood of that happening wouldn't be. I am glad that I didn't fall for those cognitive distortions because the reality is that is if I had fallen for those cognitive distortions, none of the restoration would have ever taken place. I was not convinced that anybody was out to get me, and I'm glad I wasn't. As a result, there has been so much restoration. My friendship with the family and her was restored, and that was not something I deserved. I did not deserve that. It was only because of God's grace and His mercy 
that it came to be. I can't guarantee that that will be the case for any of you guys. But my hope and prayer is that you guys will realize the importance of loving those who you don't get along with. Now, when I listened to the message from Sunday, um, Josh Taylor, who is our family pastor, he, he talked about how the people who we dislike technically and whom dislike us, technically they're not our enemies. They're actually our neighbors. Some of you may be thinking, well, my neighbor? Are you kidding me, Dave? I can't stand this person. Whether or not you can stand that person, they're still your neighbor. The real enemy is the devil. He will do everything in his power to try to get us to think that, that these guys are the bad guys and we're the good guys, when really, we are, to we are all totally depraved human beings. The one takeaway that I got from his message was this. Everyone is your neighbor. Everyone is your neighbor. Now, let me tell you, I wrestled with that. I really wrestled with that because there were some people, even in my previous small group, who I am, who I am not in touch with anymore and others who I am in touch with. And it saddened me that it had to come to that. But tempted as I may be when it comes to uh, holding on to bitterness, that would never help. Yes, I have my stance on what is sound and what is not sound. But that doesn't mean that they're bad people. They are my brothers and my sisters. They are my neighbors. To have enemies within the church family is just as toxic People who you dislike, and I'm talking to myself too, by the way. The people who we dislike are not our enemies. The real enemy is the devil. The real enemy is the devil. Now, I recognize that some of you who are also watching this have noticed that I don't post a lot of political stuff on my on this page. That's because I don't want to. I don't see a need to. Some of you may be like, "Well, so pastor so and so said vote for Trump or pastor so and so voted said vote for Joe Biden." My response to that is this. You vote for whoever you feel is necessary and who will point you to the gospel. But my, but my position is this. When people ask me, who are you going to vote for, Dave? Are you going to go vote for Trump? Or are you, or, or you going to go vote for Biden? And let me tell you, I've had a lot of people from both sides who've tried to pressure me on both sides. Here's my response to all of you when it comes to that. And I want to... And I know this may come across as a little bit off, but I have to make this clear to you. 
Whoever I vote for as president is none of your business. That is none of your business. I will vote for who I believe is qualified for the job regardless. My main concern is to not place my identity on a political party. My identity is in Christ alone. So whoever I vote for is none of your business. And I also want to make it clear to all of you, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. That's not my job. My job is to point you guys to the gospel, to help you guys when it comes to, to provide resources when it comes to recovery, when it comes to autism awareness, when it comes to sound doctrine. I take this seriously. Hey guys, we're out of time for today, but we will continue this message next week. Thanks for listening. You can contact me at my website, chewmadenew.com. Or you can call me at 510-516-CHEW. That's 510-516-2439. Or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, peace out and God bless. Cinco's!